Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we, we speak. speak. Coming to you from the X Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this John of All Trades podcast promo. Each Wednesday, I bring you a brand new interview with someone fascinating and ask the question we all ask when we meet someone new. Hey, what do you do? It's fun, informative, and it's the 2017 Westward Reader's Choice Award winner for Best Denver Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, and johnofalltrades.us. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to the Real Nerds podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Georges Genty, and you are listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to another Real Nerds Podcast interview from Denver Pop Culture Con 2019. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Denver Pop Culture Con Live 2019. We are with our most frequent guest officially now. This is your seventh time on the show. Does it feel like seven times? Seven times? Has the show been going for seven? We've been going for eight years now. Whoa. And the only time we didn't have you was, I, don't, I forget what year you weren't able to make yeah, it here. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember the year. But, but yeah, it was like two or maybe four years ago, five years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. So, yeah. I thought Our, it was only five. That's so weird. The yeah. show's been going on seven years? Uh, yeah. Eight years. Eight, eight years, yeah. So, our first episode was X-Men First Class. And wow. Yeah, and we... We recorded our 400th episode early live, so yeah, 400 consecutive weeks in we've a had a show. Particular location, or just... uh, yeah, it's called uh, the Buck Theater in Denver. It's like this uh, little like local theater. It's pretty cool, so it's fun. So and welcome. You just had a lot of people come out. I actually did that. Something, some podcasts. A friend dragged me to everything you should know, or something. Mm-hmm. Some, so was what. So like you know? Wow. So, no, everything you should know or something. It's a podcast that like, give you information that you should know in your life. And they were doing a live tour. Mm. And, yeah, they did, I'm assuming, pretty much the same like you guys. Yeah. I mean, we had like, probably like 25, 30 people there. <laughs> oh. Well, they maybe had a little bit more. Yeah, but... that's all right. You know, um, our parents were there, so <laughs> they're there to – at least we have some fans. Um, <laughs> but we're with artist extraordinaire, George Jonti. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Thanks Thank for you coming for back, me. as not always. No, always a pleasure. You know, I was thinking, too, you've been on the show so much, people might not know uh, how you became an artist and your journey to become a comic book artist. Do you mind regaling us with that story? <laughs> I would. Uh, there's not much regal there, but <laughs> I, would, I would love to. Um, just the history? Yeah, how? like how did you get started and where did uh, the uh, passion come from? Well, you know, like I'm sure with most of, the, most of you guys here, the passion's always been there. You just have a love for comics. You grow up reading comics. They, In my case, they really did, it's maybe a little overdramatic to say they changed my life, but I, that statement always comes into my head whenever anybody asks, you know, how, how, did, how did they affect you? 
and it really did. It, it, I remember certain times where you read a certain issue or how you felt about a certain issue, um, just like you might do with film. I can quote lines from certain issues. You know, it's, it's oh, a yeah. weird phenomenon because you don't really expect it from a four-color medium. But, yeah, that passion was always there, and it never left. And, obviously, you realize after a while, maybe I have a little talent. Maybe I can do this professionally. And I just went through high school drawing and just, I, again, never really getting too far away from the comic medium. Uh, and after a while, you know, you get into college, maybe some people a little bit later, maybe um, I started thinking, well, what would I really need to do if I really wanted to do this for for real? <laughs> uh, and I just did submissions at that point. Uh, there was no Internet still and <laughs> no email or any of that stuff. Uh, so I actually had to come to shows like this and go to uh, editors from comic companies and just show them my work and see what they thought and there was a whole process when it was still very what do they call it hard copy when it was all still very yeah. hard copy uh you you know you had to make copies of your samples because if the editors liked it then they'll ask for it and ask hey can you leave this with me that sort of thing so it was a very uh, uh, you had to carry around a lot of stuff. Nowadays, yeah, you take out your laptop. You go, well, what's your email? Or here's a link to my website. Or, you know, this is my uh, DeviantArt post, uh, all that, which is great. But, yeah, in my day, you had to carry the portfolio. And a lot of editors preferred to see the 11 by 17. So you had to carry those big portfolios with your uh, samples and whatnot. And little by little, people liked what I did. And, you know, I won't say I was an overnight success by any means. I was an overnight 10-year success, more than likely, but uh, after a while, yeah, you just kind of get to know people, and you really get comfortable, I thought, because I was, I was so nervous with the first professional work I ever did, because you're questioning every little thing that you would otherwise go, yeah, that's my choices, here, this, 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 but when it's like I'm getting paid or it's, you're actually having to impress other people... Oh, man. I, and you still I, – somebody once told me – I always wondered why – and as we all know, I'm, I'm full of tangents as we go on <laughs> yes, these podcasts. Yes. But I, I love acquiring information. And I always wondered why high school was such an important time in people's lives. Because really, it's only like two, three years or three, four years. And you're like, oh, my God, you lived your whole life. But for some reason, those two, three years are so important. Like, you remember people's names. You remember what you did. You remember where you were. You remember all these things. You can't remember two years ago, but you remember <laughs> yeah. your high school years for the most part. And somebody was saying, well, because a lot of that time in our lives is because it's a series of firsts. And the series of firsts always seem to affect you a little more because it, it's something that hadn't affected you before. So as it's affecting you, and high school is essentially a series of maybe your first time with a kiss, with sex, with driving, with, you know, whatever, failing or, or succeeding or you know, all of that. And I thought, God, that's actually pretty true. And with, uh, with art, that's how it felt with me when I was breaking in and trying to do and trying to impress all of those firsts really come and overwhelm you and, and me that at, I remember breaking into this business very clearly over that 10-year period because it was a series of firsts. And, you know, now I don't remember 10 years ago or what I was doing <laughs> 10 years ago, but I can tell you the titles I was on when I first got comic work. So who was the first editor who gave you a shot? 
uh, a fr- actually, he became a friend. Uh, a company which is actually still around, strangely enough, uh, Caliber Press. Uh, they used to be well. They're still an independent company, but they used there used to be a huge crop, as I'm sure you know, yeah. huge crop of independent uh, companies that were around, proliferating the '90s, and it was all just a big thing. Uh, and uh, a Caliber basically published non-superhero books, but they wanted to get into the superhero genre. And this was the 90s. This was the early bad girl stuff. Mm -hmm. And Caliber was like, all right, we'll give this superhero thing a a shot. And they're based in Detroit. Uh, A guy there who was a letterer for them also was a writer, creator. And he was, he, as soon as uh, the guy was, what was his name? Gary Reed, who owned uh, Caliber Press. Um, And my friend, Brent, uh, Brent Carpenter, he said, I've got all of this stuff because he was just waiting for that opportunity to come. And Gary said, OK, let's do it. And so Brent then had to get people to actually fulfill these commitments now that he had it. And he just found me at a, at a little show, a little one day show he was doing down in Florida. And he said, yeah, I like your stuff. You know, we're not we can't pay you a whole lot. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll be rough going. But if you're interested and of course, at that point, you're like, ah, uh, yeah, I don't care about money. <laughs> yeah, uh, I want to do it. Yeah, yeah. So from there, it just was an uphill climb. And and is it was it hard getting notes the first time from editors saying you need to work on this, you need to work on that, or did you welcome the yeah. criticism? Well, with me, and I, I I think I totally get what you mean. A lot of people just have this ego about what they do, and and I can see it because artists, more than any other medium, artists. You, they basically give you something and say, here, judge it. And that is about ego. You, you don't really do that. You can't really do that with a writer because you actually have to sit and, and read the writing. With art, you can tell right away. You look at it two seconds. You know, you collect oh, art. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. you tell two seconds whether you like it, whether it's good, how professional the guy is, you know, because of the, the choices that he's made. And I think a lot of that with artists, they... They really can't separate the ego with the, the with the work. And I early on, I was very cognizant of saying I'm down here right now because I'm I'm in in the in the beginning of my career. This is something I'm just wanting to get to. I know at some point I'll be. And for you guys at home, I'm actually <laughs> putting my yeah. hand up, saying <laughs> I want to be up here, not down here. Uh, so I welcomed criticism. I was like, yeah, tell me what's wrong. And uh, a friend gave me great advice. He, uh, he said, you'll learn more from the things that are wrong than you will from the things that are right. So not to invite somebody to just trash your stuff, of course, but really ask them, well, thank you for liking my work, but what are things that I can improve? And I think that's important in all aspects of life. I, don't, yeah, I think sure. once you think you've reached pinnacle or you can't be taught anything, mm-hmm. I think you're in trouble in real life. Well, if that's the case, yeah, and you, you can't be taught and you're, you're not experiencing and you're not learning anymore, I, I don't know that it's any fun anymore, True. you know, because a lot of what we do in, in all walks of life is the unknown. I mean, you don't, if you knew as a professional baseball player that every time you step to that plate, you're going to hit a home run, would that really hold so much excitement for you every time you came to no, the bat? I, I so. agree. I, I, I think in... Yeah, you know, you constantly have to get better, and you have to constantly... Because, I mean, I've collected your stuff for so long, and I started going back and getting your older stuff. Mm. And I love seeing how you can change (laughs) from book to book, though. Because, I mean, you did the final thing of Buffy, and then you went into X-Men, and you can actually see a change. Mm. Not in... um, I mean, it's still recognizable as your art, but Mm. how it's laid out and 
it just feels different even though you're the same artist. Yeah. Well, there's a like with anything like directors or uh, people who do different types of medium you you sort of approach it with what's appropriate for that particular in this case story or or genre and buffy and superheroes while not that far apart are very distinctly different or at the very least i treated it very differently i always treated buffy uh with the idea that whoever is reading buffy is probably a fan of the tv show and maybe not a big comic book fan so they're sort of relegated to read buffy I have to make that transition as enticing as possible for them. Somebody reading X-Men or, or a superhero comic, they've probably been reading this their whole life. I don't have to adhere to that restriction when I'm doing a superhero book. So it's a very conscious effort, in my, and at least on my part. And so how was it saying goodbye to Buffy? I mean, officially goodbye to Buffy <laughs> because, you know, Joss did the last four parts, yeah, yeah. was involved. And, I mean, it's been rebooted, but, I mean... Yeah. That story is yeah. ended. No, it's, it's it's it was an ending, and it was, it's of course it's always that thing, and I'm sure everybody whoever is behind a deadline can tell you you never really feel affected until it's actually over because you're so busy trying to get to the deadline and, and make the deadline and make sure everything there's nothing wrong and that it's actually completed. And then once it's completed, it's like all of a sudden you know it's like you're running up this hill, you're running up this hill to get to the top of the mountain, and as soon as you get to the top, you forget to stop. <laughs> But then you're looking around going, oh, I, I made it. All right, now I can reflect and take it in and, and do all that. And, yeah, it was really sad because, yeah, Buffy was – I started that in 2007. And off and on, I was back in and out of her life for, uh, for what, 12 years or so. So it was, it was pretty sad, I, I really have to say. And with Joss, too, because I, I knew in his mind this – he knew because he knew it was leaving. We all knew that it was leaving. It was going somewhere else. So it – Sort of, there was an understanding that this is going to be an ending because, you know, it's basically we have to pick up, pack everything and, and move to another city, essentially. And it was very much thought of as an ending. Not like, well, you know, we'll just do, keep doing something over here instead of where we're doing it now. It was like, all right, let's definitely end this. And that's why, in a, in a way, anyone who's read um, season 12, Joss kind of brought it full circle, including Frey, because... That was his first comic book he ever did write for uh, for the four color medium, and it, you know, as a fan and knowing that it was ending, I, I had this weird feeling as I was reading issue four, and I'm like, you know, flipping it, yeah. And as it gets smaller and smaller, I'm like, oh, this yeah. is really happening because, yeah, I mean, I knew they're going to reboot it. I knew the franchise is mm -hmm. too big for it to lay dormant, sure. but you go on a journey for so long, and with you as the artist, and uh, I mean. Uh, Rebecca Isaacs did a great job. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. But when it came back to you, I, remember, I don't know if it was News, Newsrama or IGN said it was a welcome return for you to be back on the book. <laughs> right. Not that she did a bad job, but it's just yeah. you're recognized sure. as the Buffy artist. Yeah. And that's got to be really cool, too. Well, and that was an interesting thing because, like we were talking about firsts at the beginning, nobody understood what a season eight was or, or taking a, a median uh topic and putting it into a comic book if i'm not mistaken buffy was the first to do that and make it canon like saying if yeah. you watch the tv show or the movie you have to watch or you have to read the comic book now and it was a series of firsts like it was such a big thing and i just happened to be the first guy to be there and sure people then remember that first that they were affected by so it, it's always been very personal as a result it's never just been Oh, yeah, that was that thing I did you know, <laughs> yeah. for a couple of years, and it, it was okay. It's very per I 
to this day, I don't get tired talking about it. I don't, I don't get tired of people telling me the same thing probably over and over. They always want to tell you their Buffy story, which is great, and I never tire of that. So it, it, it's been a great, it's been a great journey. But it, it's it's a journey that's I I will assume will stick with me the rest of my life for sure. Yeah, because even uh, the Buffy series that you started, I mean, season eight was so long. Yeah, and it seems like. Uh, Everybody's just like, well, we're going to try this because we don't know how it's going to work out. Exactly. And then it, almost each season kind of got tighter and more focused. <laughs> and, you know, I, the only bummer I had, I wish season 12 was a little longer. Oh, yeah. Um, we all did. Yeah. Because you, and it, I'm not saying it's poorly written or anything. No, it's no. just you want I wanted more. And that's probably just the fan in me mm-hmm. saying not wanting to say goodbye to Buffy. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I, I've read the boom stuff and it's actually really good. Mm-hmm. But. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I like the, the arc that Buffy went on. Well, that was just it. The The news that Buffy, well, the whole Whedon verse was leaving Dark Horse came about very suddenly. Mm. So they realized, you know what? We've got just enough time to do, if we're going to do it, let you know, we're going to do season 12, but we've just got enough time to do four issues. We really can't do four issues and a trade and still stay within our marketing, uh, our, our merchandise uh, contract. So it, by necessity, it became four issues because I was I'm right there with you. I was constantly telling everybody, you know what? So uh, I'll, I don't mind doing another issue. I will, <laughs> I will burn the midnight oil if it's, if a, if another issue will help. Or we can add a couple of more pages. It doesn't necessarily have to be twenty two. Doesn't we can add more pages? I'm I'm totally cool with that. And they were like, no, no, this is all political now, and yeah. we really need to finish if we're going to do it. And that is probably just a selfish fanboy in me. I'm like, I just want more of. Your and Joss's story yeah, for, no. for Buffy. And, I was the same way. But, you know, it's okay, though, too, because, you know, sometimes things have to end, and it ended, and it was a great run. And But then it, you branched into X-Men, mm. which is really cool because uh, seeing the blob come kind of front and center <laughs> is interesting. Um, and how did that gig come about? Uh, that just uh, really, I, I was looking for work at that point, and um, the, the landscape... And I was funny. I was talking about this with a few other professionals while I'm at the show. The landscape of comics has changed so drastically within the last 10 years. To me, it, it feels like a surprise only because, and I realize this, I have become very complacent because I was working on a gig like Buffy or Serenity that was ongoing. It basically allowed me to get lazy essentially i realized that so now that it ended i realized um well there's nobody calling there's nobody saying anything there's nobody offering me anything i actually have to hit the pavement which i've never i haven't done in years i've the great thing about comics was there there was always something around the corner that you know if you're working on this somebody an editor would say oh well i've got this coming in about four months if you're free we can definitely do it yeah yeah that's great and None of that was happening. So I actually had to cold call. Well, not even call these days because you email. Uh, just people I'd never even met, too, because in that time that I became very lazy, uh, people have gone, people have moved on, people aren't in the same position. So I had to reintroduce myself uh, to a bunch of editors that I didn't know, and I'm assuming they didn't know me, and just ask for work and see, hey, is there something there? Is it about? I went through DC. I went through uh, Marvel. I talked at Dark Horse. You know, and they were like, well, we obviously we love your stuff, but there's nothing at the moment. And through that whole rigmarole, Marvel was the first one to come up and say, well, we've got this five issue if you're interested. And it starts. It started at a time where I was going to be available. And 
if you want it, it's yours. So it really became more about that than just, oh, you know, so-and-so was here, and I talked to that, and they gave me the job. I really had to uh, <laughs> pound the pavement, which is an expression <laughs> you don't hear anymore. <laughs> and it's kind of a coming back to the X-Men fold because, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I can't remember the dates, but you did Bishop and Gambit. And, yeah. Um, I, I guess Deadpool kind of considered Deadpool? X-Men. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Weapon now. X type yeah, of a yeah. gig. So, I guess. so uh, that's got to be fun, too, after all these years. It was full circle. Of course, I'm not drawing any of those characters. <laughs> yeah, not, not this one, but it's a very specific story. But <laughs> right, they're all in their other books. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, it was great to come back to these pseudo characters that I, I knew. But the irony there is if you know the premise of the extremists, it's a it's a whole new revamp of a story idea where they're in a different alternate reality. So the characters were there, but their characters were different. And, that, you know, that's the thing with X-Men is that I think the X-Men are maybe the hardest comics to follow mm. because whether they have I, I really like this book called Grand Design. I don't know if you've seen it. It's no. like uh, it's drawn like in the 60s mm-hmm. style and it has newsprint. It's really cool. Oh, nice. And they're about uh, there are 80 pages and they're 10 bucks each, but they're really cool. Mm. But it's a different kind of like premise for the x-men and mm-hmm. i think the x-men are just so hard to follow i mean yeah i know i mean logan's been dead for a while but he's back but there's oh, also is? old man logan and then there's in the same universe yeah i i can't even at the keep, same time yeah i can't because i thought old man was obviously yeah so he's some years in the future some years in the future but then they brought x uh, logan back with heated claws i don't know heated claws yeah how did I, I, how, I forget how, how it works he, because uh, I can't keep track of it. Does he retract? Are they still yeah. hot when he retracts? Uh, you know, I don't know. Hmm. I, I asked uh, Charles Soule was the writer of it, and I had him on a panel, and he wouldn't really divulge because it was a secret. Oh, but, sure. Because he didn't want anyone else to do it, I'm <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or he thought of the idea, and he's trying to think of <laughs> how it works out. Um you have another thing going on before we get to that. Are you excited for the new Godzilla movie? Because I know you're a huge Godzilla yes, fan. Yes, and that just shows you my dedication to the Denver Comic-Con. Yes. That I am here instead of sitting at a theater watching <laughs> the weekend release of Godzilla. Because you always post on uh, Twitter and on Facebook your new Godzilla yes. acquisitions. Oh, yeah. So oh, what yeah. about Godzilla is cool to you? I don't it's again one of the, and really when we get down to it we're and it's such a sad sad state it is of us as men cuz I'll oh. assume our camaraderie <laughs> extends primarily to the stuff that we loved as kids. Oh yeah no I agree. That's what it really comes the cereal, the cartoon, the comic <laughs> books, the movies, whatever it was you loved as a kid. You just didn't let it go. So now that you're grown up and you have some means and <laughs> yeah. currency, you can feed that love that you had so many years ago that you couldn't do anything about then but now if you want a toy you can if you want a statue if you want to own the movie if you want to anything you can do now you can do that with that sense of nostalgia and i'm right there with you i love the godzilla movies godzilla was probably the first thing on television i ever remember actually watching um and i believe it was godzilla versus king kong and it had to be i was a I don't know, I maybe was four or five, but I remember distinctly sitting in front of the TV, my mind blown that Godzilla and King Kong could be in the same movie, you know, because that was too, that was like the the biggest crossover (laughs) when you think about it. And for a little four or five year old kid, yeah, you're like, oh my God, they're together and they're (laughs) fighting. Yep. So it's just never left. It's touched me my whole life. Uh, <laughs> not that's, in a weird way, but that's so funny. Just, my wife always shakes her head at me because 
Um, I mean, it's like a couple months ago, I was at Best Buy, and I always just go there to Peru sometimes, and they had the DuckTales, like, complete run. It was like $17. DVD? Yeah. Okay. So I picked it up, and I started watching DuckTales, and my wife was, seriously? Yeah. I said, hey, hey, we need to go on an adventure with Scrooge. Right. And I don't know what... But it, it's funny, because I was just relating, like, yeah, as a kid, you know, I'd go home and watch DuckTales, and then as soon as I saw that available for $17, 92 episodes of DuckTales... I had to get it. Right, and you're like, stop judging me, woman, and yeah. go get me some Fruit Loops. Yeah, and do it now. And then she threw stuff at me. Right. <laughs> Even uh, I didn't week, sleep at home that night. Yeah, I was, I was out on the couch. Uh, there is Amazing Fantasy 15 is here for five grand. And wow, like, really? That's good. Yeah. And I told her, I was like, I might get that. And she goes, really? Really? Hmm. Hmm. And I, then I knew that really was not the well, kind of really that I should get it. It's the really followed with the look, yeah. I'm sure. And I was, telling, I was like, maybe I'll just tell her it's a reprint. Or you'll just tell her, well, it was 15000 yeah, but like, I got it for five. I'm like, five grand, that's pretty good. Because I can't afford the 130 grand version. The five grand isn't within reach. I, I share your passion. I was briefly insane like that. Um, some guy, I was at a show, some guy was selling Fantastic Four number one for five grand. Oh. Or maybe it was seven. But it was in that area. And literally, I walked around that whole con, walking around going, okay, I can put some on this credit card. I can put yep. some on that credit yep. card. If I make at least $1,000 here, I can put this here and put that there. And I was, I was literally insane with that fever for a little while. Oh, yeah. And it, and it never ends. It never ends. Because you actually got me in to uh, uh, Tomb of Dracula. Did I? No. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Cause I, so I was a big collector, uh, well, you know, of Satana. And things like that. And I got the Vampire Tales and uh, uh, Dracula Lives, the mm-hmm. magazines. And then you told me that you collected Tomb. Yeah. And so I started going back and picking up some Tomb because those books are kind of expensive. Now they are. Yeah, yeah. they weren't a few years ago. Um, so I've been slowly filling in my run. Mm-hmm. And they're just really cool because you don't – it's really a book that the antagonist is the main character. Exactly. Yeah. And, he's, and he's never a protagonist. No. Mm-hmm. Never. And even – I mean, the covers are just so striking, and the art in the book, and mm-hmm. it's written so well. Because, yeah, they, they never make apologies for who he is. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the beauty of that is that it's a very big ensemble cast. Yep. Because if you just followed Dracula, that would get boring after a while. Yeah. It's all those other characters you yeah, know, that you, make it amazingly interesting. Yeah, because you know, they start introducing his son and his mm-hmm. wife, and then uh, you know the Van Helsings. And, yeah. Uh, yeah I, so I'm missing, you know, obviously the first appearance of Blade is kind of hard to mm-hmm. find. Um, number one is popping up everywhere, but right. it's still pretty expensive. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's a really cool book. So thank and you. And some for that. of it, and, and I agree, some of it is, feels very comic bookish. Yeah, but a, a lot of it feels very noir yeah. horror, which are the classic stuff you love to read. And it's always, and thankfully, Gene Colan stayed on the book for the whole run. Oh because yeah, that look essentially personified Tomb of Dracula. I can't think of Tomb of Dracula without thinking of Gene Colan. Oh yeah, because it's so it's rendered so well mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, there's just, I mean, there's some books where he's just like stalking the streets, yeah. you're, like looking for people. And, uh, but they also did a great job writing his internal thoughts, I thought. Yeah. It's a very interesting book. Totally different than anything in the Silver Age. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I believe. And, uh, cause, you know, I love Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Spider Man's a great comic, but mm-hmm. you read Drag is so different. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's almost like they were playing with house money anyways, yeah. and they didn't care. They're like, well, you know, in this one, he's going to fight werewolves. And the interesting thing is for 75, 72 issues, while there was the Mar- it was in the Marvel universe, but you notice there weren't a whole lot of guest stars no. in his book, and and him and others. There were one or two, sure, but his was a 
I guess it was a premise that you really you did have Doctor Strange and the Silver Surfer. Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite characters. covers. Yeah, is when Dracula's fighting Silver Surfer. I'm like, yep, this is amazing. This is maybe the most amazing cover I've ever seen. But by and large, yeah, he they basically sequestered him to yeah. his own book and left it that way. This was very cool. But uh, I also want to mention uh, you started a Kickstarter. I did That's for a right. sketchbook. Thank you, God, I and, would have forgotten that. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, I've been doing some before our interview. I did some research this morning, and with only two days, you've already got almost three thousand dollars yeah yeah so uh, that's pretty awesome the you know i've and you guys probably know a little more than i about all this stuff this is sort of my first foray into the kickstarting universe and and really any of the media where that can be a sustainable income uh and so i just wanted to kind of test the waters and see and i thought well what would be interesting because i know a lot of people are kickstarting comic books or or uh, you know media stuff or stuff i thought well what could we do that was pretty easy and I've actually never done a sketchbook of my superhero work. Yeah. I've done sketchbooks on Serenity and Buffy, and those were experiments back in the day as well. But I realized I've never really done one of uh, superhero work. So I thought when we were talking about doing a Kickstarter with my friend uh, Tony Ellis and Mark Landry, we got together and said, well, what's the easiest thing we could do and what could we get out with, with the least amount of time? And we thought a sketchbook would do it. So... This, hopefully, if it opens the door and it, it, it's successful, all of the IP and uh, uh, independent stuff I've ever wanted to do, if it's possible, I'm going to try and do it through Kickstarter. And I think you can because, I, you know, I, sometimes when you look at Kickstarter, you know, the, the backing stuff is not that great. But, mm -hmm. I mean, for years, for 100 bucks, you get an original sketch. I mean, come on. Uh, that, yeah. I mean, that's... That's worth it in its own. Is that what you? I didn't actually do the. Uh, oh yeah, pledges, so, so, so I don't. I don't know what's available. So yeah, honest. so it's uh, the the lowest thing is you get um, like the digital version of it. Oh, okay, yeah, but that's and, standard, right? Yeah, standard. Yeah. And then, but I, I think it's really cool that just for a hundred bucks you get an original sketch inside the book. Okay. And I, I guess uh, my question is, uh, are you going to consult with people with the original sketches? Or are you just going to sketch uh, you know stuff what? out? I am going to have to. Yeah, I guess yeah. I, I didn't really <laughs> realize that was one of the options. So yes. And then, I mean, even uh, the like one of the most uh, the biggest one is you get uh, your name in the book, uh, the sketch, and an original comic book page of art. So oh, was that the more expensive yeah. one? God help yeah. me. Okay, I hope yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, so it's I mean it's pretty okay. reasonable, and um, I think that's why it's being back so much and so fast because you are well known. I know you do a lot of cons, and mm -hmm. so I think people really like your work. And you're right; they might not be familiar with your superhero stuff because right. you've done Buffy and Serenity mm -hmm. for so long. Yeah, and you always want to see, you know, everyone keeps saying, oh, you should do this, you should do this. And you always want to see just how much weight you have in a certain situation. So in this media universe, yeah, I'm curious to see how far my name will take it. And a Kickstarter seemed the, the obvious choice that if somebody is always saying, oh, I love your work, I'd love to support you whenever you got something, let me know. So now that there's something, it's like, okay, well, let's see how, how true that is. And uh, so do you have ideas for original IPs that you want to do? Yeah, I mean, I've done that for years. Yeah, that's it's always been. But again, I've, I've gotten very lazy <laughs> working on Buffy and Serenity and all these things that were just coming at me where I didn't have to go out and 
do my own thing or because everybody kept saying, you know, and and in this day and age with comic books, the way they are, everybody asks, you know, what are you working on and what's your IP or what, you know, what's your thing? Everybody Mm -hmm. has a thing these days. So I've always had one, but it's just something where I've said, well, I'm actually happy drawing Buffy, to be honest with you. I'm I'm actually happy doing Batwoman. I, I really like what I'm doing right now. I don't feel the need to again and i think it's more ego to have that no i got to do my thing and and my thing and it's only my (laughs) thing and leave it at that so now i guess with the landscape being very sparse for work i uh i'm gonna try and do my thing and do you want your thing are you working do you want to be superheroes are you trying uh different things i mean you've done stuff like american way yeah which i guess kind of superhero-ish but more more political and um more story driven i guess yeah um, i well i and i i'm glad you said that i am always and i've always felt i was very story driven so anything i do to me it's more not necessarily about the character but about the story so the things i have in mind are more conceptual rather than oh i've got the idea for this superman type character and you know he does this he's from another planet he's a all that and that's great but to me all that is backstory i'm i'm more interested in what the actual story is and then when i've got that it's it's like a wonderful puzzle you piece together saying well i can do this and then i can do this and i can put this here and put that there and if as it comes together that story starts to tell you you know what this is a story about a superhero then that's fine. Or if the story just says, hey, this is a story about just a girl trying to do the right thing, then that's fine, too. And that's essentially how I approach are my you, stuff. Anyway. Are you going to be writing? Um, or do you have a desire to write? I, I do. Yeah, I think every artist who tells stories, because telling stories is a form of writing, uh, I think every artist who does that is in some way a writer, whether they admit it or not. And, you know, time has shown us, you know, the John Burns of the world, the Frank Millers of the world, anybody who's, who's uh, done art first and then graduated to writing, more than not, uh, Mike Mignola, they have done very, very well for themselves. And I was never surprised because, again, I thought an artist is a storyteller. And to me, probably some of the best storytellers are artists you know and i agree 100 percent. and i think that's why i loved your love your art so much is i'm such a nerd um <laughs> and why i like sal basima so much uh-huh. is i will cover the word balloons and i'll follow the story right. and if i can follow the story then i know that they're a great storyteller not yes. just an artist yes but a storyteller and that's a good good way to gauge Anybody who's coming up that wants to do this sort of thing and wants to do comics and tell stories, that's a good way to gauge. Yes, words are very important, obviously. It's, it's a marriage of the medium. But I've always, and I think somebody told me at the beginning, if you, in, in order to de- determine whether or not you're a good storyteller, you should be able to get the gist of what the story is just from the art alone. There may be other exposition and things you need as as a written word but you should be able to get the gist of what the story is if you're doing your job well and i think that's um a lost a lot and i i'm not gonna throw my banner of the bus but there's some artists no you're right that um when they do let's say a fight scene and you can't really follow the action um your eyes are too busy and i uh, a couple years ago i bought a comic page from you and it's one of my most favorite action scenes oh yeah and it's from buffy and she's fighting a bunch of lizard people and you tell the story oh, yeah, okay. where she's like, the lizard people are looking at her. She looks at them. And then the middle panel is her just doing flips and kicks. Mm-hmm. And then she throws another one. And then the last panel is her just looking at him. And then I know in that that 
you're telling a story that she can take these guys down. Right. You know, and I it's one of my most favorite sequential moments oh. because it's easy to follow. Well, thank and, you. Um, there's an artist right now in Spider Man that he's he's a fun artist, but sometimes I can't follow his action because mm. he has too much going on and. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man changes on the, <laughs> really? like, where he is on the page, and so it's hard to follow. But I think that's why I think your art is so great is because you're great at the sequential action, and not only action, but the dialogue scenes because Buffy had a lot of heavy dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's twofold, too, It's especially when it's a fight sequence. There's a, there's a process for telling a story, and then there's also a process for a fight sequence, which in itself tells a story, but essentially is there to serve a certain purpose. It's not necessarily part of the story. Obviously, Buffy has to fight these characters to overcome and then maybe walk through the wall or walk through a door. But that's not necessarily the story. She just has to get from point A to point B. I've always looked at uh, fighting in comics as choreography, and... God help me, I was so fortunate to be reading Daredevil, Frank Miller's Daredevil, at the time, because nobody did it better than he in terms of choreographing. He actually made me aware that that's what I'm looking at and why I'm so impressed with this comic book is that he's actually choreographing his fight. He will bring in a character that's supposed to throw a punch in the next panel, in the previous panel, and he'll have, like you just said, Daredevil turning to his left, but then he's following through and keeping on, and what he's doing now is from the left side, and all those little subtleties that the human eye shouldn't really stop and take in, you understand on a subliminal level if you're doing your job right, because the natural flow, the choreography of a fight should be there, and like I said, I saw that in Frank Miller's stuff, and adopted it from here on. I've never done a fight and not either thought of Frank Miller stuff or choreographed it in some way, even if it was just one or two panels. I think that's, I mean, you said, I think it's really important for people who want to get in the medium to know that because um, you have to be able to follow the story because I'm guessing when you get a script, it doesn't say Buffy does a flip, picks up this lizard demon by the tail and throws him. Right. It's in, in some cases, if it's germane, like maybe if that's the case, what you just said, Buffy gets the lizard and she, the lizard wraps his tail around her neck. And while he did that, he maybe inserted some venom into her neck that she's not aware of. So that's germane to the story. But mm-hmm. essentially, yeah, most – and that's funny you, you mentioned that because I think that was at a, at a point when Joss and I first started doing uh, Buffy where he would. He would actually write out the uh, fight sequences mm-hmm. because we didn't know each other. He yeah. was first doing it going, I don't really know who's getting this. Uh, and then after we understood each other and he knew that he was writing to me – like the next fight sequence, okay, Georges, we've done this before. This is what I want. <laughs> You're good at what you do, so I'm just going to give you these. I want Buffy to start here, and she's going to end up here and have her fight this guy. But at the end of the page, this is where she should be, and that's it. And that, to me, was probably the best compliment you can give an oh, artist yeah. to say, You're, I trust in what you do, and you know what you're doing. That's awesome. And so do you, for inspiration, do you just, besides Frank Miller, and how people move and stuff. Do you watch like action movies or kung fu movies? Always, yeah, yeah. And then, but to that too. And the only big distinction though with watching film is that film is done from multiple camera yeah. angles. And with comics, you kind of like you were saying, it gets really difficult to see the sequence unless you can follow it. So a lot of the times, it's almost as if you were. And you guys have done film. It you have to use a steady cam and only one camera if you're going to follow this sequence because when you're doing too many. 
it can get convoluted, especially in comics, when you can only pick one static image at a time. We don't have the benefit of thousands and thousands of panels. So we have to choose the most appropriate image to show the progression of how that fight is going. So that is, is I mean, it's always paramount in, in my mind and very difficult. But, yeah, I love a good fight scene. And if it, if it is a good fight scene, that that terminology applies just as well. Um, I'm trying to think. I always thought that the Matrix, the first Matrix, mm-hmm. was really good at that because the Wachefskis really had a, had, a, had a level where, well, and they were comic book fans, so I'm not yeah, surprised not about surprised where it came. But, like, uh, you know, just off the top of my head, the sequence where Neo and, uh, and uh, Trinity go into the building when they're going to get uh, Morpheus and they bring all their guns and they have to fight everybody in the lobby. If you go back and watch that sequence, you'll realize it's actually very well choreographed that they're only going to traverse maybe 15 feet they have to get from here to here but in doing so they have to fight all of these characters uh, or shoot them and kill them or whatever but you'll notice a series of choreography even more so that when the scene ends it ends where neo and trinity were standing originally and to sort of accentuate that a piece of the wall comes off and falls while they're walking away and to me i looked at that as a storytelling device to say this is where we started that's that's they only had to go about 15 feet but that's how long it took them and that's all the shit they did (laughs) just to get to that 15 feet and they kept walking into the elevator then no i i 100 agree and that's why i think you'll be super successful whatever you do because you're (laughs) such a great storyteller i hope man like i said it's a different different playing field it's not and sadly this is true of anything sometimes it's not about how good you are you know, it's yeah. how lucky you are. It's you're in the right place at the right time. Oh, it's, but being good sometimes is not not enough. But and you have a great name. And, you know, people know you. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll take it. Yeah. So um, for the Kickstarter, how can we find you on Kickstarter? Yes, it is uh, going on right now. It'll be going on until the end of June. Um, it's uh, at my. I, I think God, I, I really should have it's this your name. information. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> well, it's I think it's Kaba Lounge. Yeah, K A B A L O U N G dot com. If you go to the website, it's there. But uh, on the Kickstarter, yeah, it's I believe it's Kaba Lounge and then Georges Genty, or you can type in those two names and hopefully it'll come up. You know, I've never asked where did uh, the name for your website come from. Oh, that's you want to talk about stupid kid stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kaba Lounge. I I could never. I don't have the ego. I've never, because everyone, and this is how old I am, everybody back in the day was saying, oh, you got to have your own website. It was very important back in the day that you had now, of course, you have to have your own Facebook site, but (laughs) it was very important you had to have your own website. And I thought, okay. And every website I saw, which rightly so, said the art of Tony Harris, the art of Adam Hughes, the art of whomever. And I thought, God, I just don't have, not to say they have the ego, but I, my ego wouldn't allow me to go the art of Georges Genty. That Mm -hmm. just felt so trite. I don't mind it being in the byline, but I was like, no, I don't want that to be the first thing. And I thought, I'm, I'm kind of hip. I'm kind of cool. <laughs> I love going to clubs. I'm, I, it's more of a lounge-type atmosphere. I want people when they come to my website. So I thought, lounge. Okay, well, that's part of it. I, I, but what? What do you call it? Georgis Lounge? You know, <laughs> Lounge Georgis or Club Georgis? Or, then I'm going, well, wait, maybe I'm getting a little too far away from <laughs> what I'm trying to say, that this is an art site. Uh, and I thought I loved I don't know why I, I love hippopotamuses um, <laughs> because they're such docile creatures and so great and graceful. Even they're, they're such a, a, um, a, a juxtaposition. You look at him and you don't think 
how how beautiful they are, how graceful they can be. And I've always seen that. And I, somebody once told me, I, I think I read in a book once, that hippopotamuses are, were the only animal or that in recent years, and I mean hundreds of thousands of years, where where all life evolved in the sea and then moved on land is our history. And as as that has happened, most of us have stayed on land. And somebody once said, well, you know, hippopotamuses were that too. And, you know, the elephants are related and the sea lion and whatever. But the hippopotamuses got it in their head thinking, you know what, land, that's not where it's at. I want to go back in the water because I can just float and swim and eat and do all that. Everything is there. And I thought, what a cool concept that they thought they came here, said, no, this isn't the new thing. <laughs> the thing is actually being back in water. And I thought, okay, I, I love that representation. So I've always kind of used a hippopotamus as a mascot. And But I could never go uh, hippopotamus lounge. <laughs> Man, that has one too many syllables and just does not sound cool at all. <laughs> Then I started looking for translations, and Kaba is Japanese for hippo. Oh. So I thought, Kaba, Kaba Lounge, or Lounge Kaba. All right. That actually has enough alliteration that I'm going, okay, I didn't. There is to a very boring story. No, that is awesome. (laughs) That was awesome. That's how it came about. Well, as always, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you. I totally love you guys. Oh. I was, every time I come to Denver, I look forward to Real Nerds. Oh, hey, you guys are so thanks. Cool. We look forward yeah. to talking to you because you're such a great guy. <laughs> so thanks for being on, as always, Georges. Thank you for having me. Such a great guy. Bye. Bye. <laughs> this has been another Real Nerds podcast interview from Denver Pop Culture Con 2019. See you next year. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.